All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. morning everybody welcome back to another episode of dropping the gloves good to be back tim back from vacation feels good it it, it feels good to get excited again you know what i mean sometimes things get monotonous you get used to things the way they are and it just it loses its its um its luster but i'm excited i'm good to be back how are you tim i'm back on it's good you it's good to see your face you've aged a little bit since the last time i've seen you Maybe that's, that's the woods. That's the cabins out there. How was your camping trip? Age? Do you honestly think I look older? <laughs> no, I thought okay, I've been good. sitting on that joke for like three days. I'm waiting to say oh. it. And you killed it. You really, it really, it really landed. Um, <laughs> no, I feel good. It was a good trip. We didn't do a cabin. We did a tent. We brought our tent with us. Um, and it was fun. The first real tenting vacation we've ever done. I've set the tent up, you know, for a couple days here and there just for fun for giggles but this was the first one where it was like we're going for six days we're going to set the tent up and that this is our this is our spot but it was good i brought a barbecue i broke down at the last second and brought my air conditioner my standalone air conditioner because it was going to be warm and so we, we had some creature comforts um camping and it was worthwhile but it was it was a lot of fun you look at me like i'm crazy i brought an air conditioner don't that's normal you brought an air conditioner to the woods? Yeah. Well, it was a campsite. Okay. So it wasn't the woods. It was a campsite. A funny story when we got there, we pulled in. My wife, my wife is such a lover to death, but goodness gracious, we're trying to get out the door. It's a nine hour drive. And she's just like dragging her feet. And we're at church and she's doing something. And like, we have to go. We have a nine hour drive, which is going to turn into 11 hours with lunch and everything. It was Father's Day. They wanted to do something. We didn't get out of there until like one o'clock. And then we lose an hour going because we're right. Well, we, we gain an hour, excuse me. But anyways, we it's a beautiful day. We drive there. Everything's great. We're going through the UP Upper Peninsula. We, we pull into La Crosse, Wisconsin. And it just starts thunderstorming, Tim. Like I'm talking torrential downpour coming down. The raindrops are the size of my fist. Like they're huge. And I'm like, I got to set up a tent. It's 1215 in the morning. I don't know where we are and I got to set a tent up right now. And so I almost kind of just caved and got a hotel, but I didn't. We got to the campsite, couldn't find our campground. No one was there. Obviously there's just RVs everywhere. I had this tent. I'm like, what am I in the wrong spot? What's going on? So finally I just said, screw it. I just set up camp on a piece of flat ground. I'm like, I don't know where we are. I know we're not on my site because there's an RV sitting in my site, campsite 108. I thought it was my site, but there's someone there. And so I just put my tent down in site 203, 204, and 20. I, I, I took up three sites. I'm like, screw it. Like, I have to put my tent down. My kids are tired. It's raining. I got to do it. But it was crazy. Anyways, we woke up the next morning. Tent was a mess. I had to re- reset it up. I just went to the front desk. I said, this is where we're at. Like you guys made a mistake. I, I'm staying here. I, like this is this is what's happening. And so they were pretty cool about it. They said as long as you're gone by Friday, which we were, and it worked out great. Good site, good time. Kids loved it. I loved it. We're gonna do it again next year. Camping is fun. It was a lot of fun. What'd you guys do all day? Um, the kids were doing a camp there, and so we signed them. My wife's really into singing, and so they were doing a singing camp. 
Do you ever do that? You probably sang quite a bit as a kid. Never sang. Don't have the really? don't have the voice. No. That's interesting. I I pegged you for like one of those guys. Um, but anyways, that's that wasn't an insult. You just seem like a singer. Um, so they would do that all day. Then after we would go and do stuff, we found like a community pool where we went swimming twice. We went to Minneapolis, my old stomping grounds with the wild. So we toured around there. We went to the XL Energy Center. My my favorite restaurant is across the street, Cassettas. We did that and showed them all kind of the the places we used to live. My first condo was there, the Skyscape building. So fun stuff like that. So nothing too crazy, nothing too adventurous, but it was a good trip. The kids had a good time. I had a good time. Lots of driving. But what are you going to do? Anyways, moving on. We've we've missed a lot, Tim, since we've been gone. There's been a lot of stuff happening. But before I get to that, I want to talk about yard work. <laughs> um, so I recently moved recently. It's been a couple of years since since we sold our house and moved to our new property. I made the mistake of going and seeing my old house before I left. I had my yeah. oldest daughter with me. And she was like, I want to check it out. I want to check it out. We drive by it every day. We literally sold our house and bought a chunk of land a mile up the road. So we drive by my street that we used to live on multiple times a day. And I've never gone in. And she's like, let's go check it out. Let's go check it out. Because I've heard rumblings that they aren't keeping up with the yard work and things have changed and this and that. But I wanted to see it because I spent, no kidding, hundreds of hours on that yard. Mulch, mowing flowers trees it was a massive yard like i'm uh, massive i used to do 20 yards of mulch every spring and that's that's a big amount if you know mulch just for a house that's a lot yeah and so i would do that every year keep up with it there's a lot of upkeep and and i took pride in that it was it was a nice yard i tell you just a disappointment in my in my eyes when when i came around the corner and i saw just the disarray of my former yard it was just disgusting and i know the people who bought the house i've met them a few times it's just young couple from california and i was trying hard not to get angry but it's just it's indicative of today's youth in general there's zero work ethic zero pride in where they live i would be embarrassed if I live there, but these are just millionaires from California bought this house. They don't care. It just, it, 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 and I immediately thought of hockey. I'm like, this is the problem with the kids today. They don't, they don't take pride in their team. They don't take ownership in their team. There's a reason certain teams don't win. And it's because they don't take pride in their team. They, they don't have any kind of stake with their team. They're just in it for themselves. They're in it for the name on the back, not the crest on the front. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So anyways, I was just disappointed. And if you're a GM, if you're an owner and you have a player who goes against that trend, who bucks that trend, you hold on to that player. You hold on to that player for as long as you can, Tim, for as long as you can. But if you have a player who maybe falls under that category, Someone who just doesn't really care about the crest on the front, more about the stats and the name on the back, get rid of that player. And we'll we'll talk about a few of these players this show because there's some player movement. There's some trade rumblings that could potentially happen. And it's interesting to see where teams place value and where maybe they should place value. And I think it's becoming a real thing now that it's almost tangible where you can feel it of this is a team guy. 20 years ago, everybody was a team guy. There was no real selfish players. Maybe they're odd one here and there, but it seems to be more going in the direction of, I'm going to worry about myself first and make sure I get my cookies. And I saw when I played, we'd win five, two, six, one guys would be pissed off in the locker room because they didn't get an assist or you didn't pass it to them or this and that. Whereas it's like, we just won. You should be excited. The team won just because you didn't get your assist or your goal or this and that you're upset. Like there's something's wrong here. Are you in it for yourself? Or are you in it for the team? So I think it's becoming a real tangible thing now, Tim. Is it necessarily a bad thing? And and what I mean by that is, okay, like your example of guys being mad, they didn't get on the score sheet in a blowout. Like that's one thing that's ego, but isn't it a good thing that the players are taking more control away from the owners and the GMs? and controlling their own destinies and controlling their ability to make money and maximize their income. 
Like, isn't that, is, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It comes with some de- maybe bad sides to it, like the, the team hopping and stuff. But generally, isn't the fact that younger guys are getting more money a good thing for the players? No, it's it's not that aspect. I think that's great. I think the more control the players have, the better. It's, it's good for the game. It's good for the players. I, I'm all for that. The downside of it is the on-ice stuff to where maybe you won't go as far as you should to win the game. Maybe you're not going to block that shot. Maybe you're not going to go in that corner and get that puck. Maybe there's a 50-50 puck and eh, I don't, I don't want to get that puck. And we see it time and time again. It's coming more and more common. Everybody's doing the memes and the, the clips and the, oh, look at the lack of effort on the back check. Look at the lack of effort on here. Look at that. He could have gotten that puck and he didn't get it. It's becoming more and more common, easier to point out. It's because players are more concerned and rightfully so. Like this is their life. I played. And I know how much money can be made. And if I go in for that 50-50 puck in the boards, there's a chance I break my leg. There's a chance I get a concussion. There's a chance I don't come back from that. So it's self-preservation to a point. But at what like at what cost? So I, th- I think GMs hopefully are starting to see that to where, okay, I got a Matthew Kachuk. This guy played with a broken sternum. I like that. I like that a lot. I have an Austin Matthews. He had a sore wrist and he was out for how many weeks? You know, two very good players, world-class players. Austin Matthews, arguably way more talented. If I'm picking a guy for my team, I'm taking Matthew Kachuk. If I'm picking a guy for my fantasy league, I'm picking Austin Matthews. That's that's all I'm saying. And, and And I touched on it. Earlier in the postseason, if I'm picking a player for the playoffs, my first pick is not going to be Connor McDavid for all the points he gets, for all the difference he makes. He's a fantastic, like he's the head and shoulders, the best player in the world, Tim. So don't cut this clip for Twitter or Instagram saying, I'm not picking Connor McDavid. He is the best player on the planet, head and shoulders above everybody else. Let's just get that out there. But if I'm picking a player for one game, to win, he is not my top five pick. I don't trust him to do the right thing or the hard thing that needs to be done in certain times. I love the player. I would love to have him on the show, but let's let's just call a spade a spade. The guy's not going to you know do the dirty things when it needs to get done. There's numerous clips of him bailing out, and there's a lot of players you can say that for. So he just gets the target on his back because he is the best player on the planet. I'm taking a Sidney Crosby. I'm taking those types of players who, who still have the skill skill level, but maybe they, maybe they are going to go in the corner and get that puck. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like you don't want McDavid blocking shots, do you? Like that? He's yes, I do. Blocking. Yes, I do. In the playoffs, maybe in the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. But like it's the same in any sport. Do you want Bryce Harper like running out a ground ball to second base in June? Like it's a chance he pulls a hamstring doing that with a very low chance percent he gets on base. Like it's it's protecting your assets too. And even the example you gave of Kachuk and Matthews, uh, Matthew Kachuk, I mean, yeah, Kachuk and Matthews. Like, don't you think that Matthews is playing through his sore wrist in the Stanley Cup Finals the way that Kachuk did? And and don't you think that Kachuk is taking a few weeks off if he breaks his sternum in the regular season? The little apples to oranges there. It's apples to apples. If Matthew Austin Matthews has a broken sternum in the playoffs, do you think he even attempts to lace him up? We'll never know. Yeah, it's a gut feeling. What do you think? Um, broken sternum. No. Do you think he goes the extra mile and has people tie his skates and and suit up and then goes out and scores the game winner? Do you think that's? Do you think he would do that? No, not a chance. No, no. And it's not a bad thing. Listen, I, I wouldn't have. I would have pulled the shoot way before that. No, I wouldn't. Have. I would have played. But it, it just that's that's all I'm saying. There are certain players who would and there are certain players who would not. And the group of players who would not is growing exponentially. It, it's not getting smaller. Whereas when I was playing, I don't want to sound like a fuddy-duddy. 90% of the guys would have played through that injury. I saw grisly injuries when I was playing. And guys would just say, whatever, shoot me up. Let's go. We, we got we to win the Stanley Cup. Brian Campbell, 
played through massive injuries, high ankle sprains, this and that. Let's go. And he was a fleet-footed defenseman, and he's just battled through it. Like high-end guys. Gabrick could barely, like his leg was falling off. Let's go. We're in the Eastern Conference Finals. We got something to do here. So that's all I'm saying. And it all, all this came from that guy's yard. Just get the lawnmower out. You know what I mean? The grass is like up to my knee. Like just just mow your grass. Pay someone to, to mow it. Have some ownership. Self-respect. I would like to know what goes through a, a guy's mind when they see clip after clip after clip of them not back-checking, being in the wrong position, because they see it. People comment on our posts all the time. Players like it. Players dislike it. Thumbs down, thumbs up, all that crap. Players see this stuff. What goes through Austin Matthews' head when there's a huge brawl and he's bailing out? What do you think he thinks about the next day and the day after that and everybody's going after him? Which he started, by the way. He started yeah. the brawl. <laughs> Multiple times. This is ha- like Honestly, though, you're closer in age to him than I am. You guys have a lot of the same attributes. What goes through your head when it's like, oh, man, everybody's really coming after me? Similar he's heights. happy with it? Similar wrist shots. Yeah, I see. I see the comparison. But do you think he's happy? Do you think he just ignores it? Do you think he's just saying these guys don't know what they're talking about? They're just trolls. They're just trying to get under my skin. It's that one. It's it's just like, oh, yeah, it's easy to throw stones, but whatever. Like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. You haven't been there. You don't know what I've been through. I think it's that. Yeah, yeah I, I guess it comes with age. It takes it takes a lot to admit that something you're doing is wrong. Perspective. And you have to change. Yeah. Perspective, maturity, time. That's one thing that I think people, and myself included, it, w- it would go a long way. Just realize you're not perfect. You know, learn some stuff. All right, Tim, let's get to, uh, all this because I drove by my house. Can you believe it? You talked a little bit about it last show, um, seeing it, but I'm, clearly it's been weighing on you. It's been over a week, and here you are. So, Oh, I did mention it. I wasn't sure if I mentioned it, because I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Tell Danielle. Just, dis- disrespect. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. She's like, why are you driving by there? I just <laughs> want to see it. Oh, man. So talk, talk, tell me, like, wrong thing to say at the wrong time, my wife, is like the epitome of just wrong thing to say at the worst possible time. <laughs> We're in lacrosse. I have a trailer. I'm pulling a trailer. I have my big van, Nissan NV350. It's a huge van. There's a red light. I timed it perfectly so the green goes and I'm gunning through. And the lane goes from two lanes to one because they're painting the bridge. The dillweed beside me guns it. Absolutely guns it. So he's not letting me in. And it's a zipper effect. I'm supposed to go. Car in front of him. I go. Car behind me. That's the way it's supposed to go. I took a civil engineering class. That's the most efficient way to merge traffic and to keep things moving. Nobody knows that everybody backs up and like no one wants to be the bad guy to go right to the cones and merge in. If there is a two lane to one situation, both lanes drive to the cone, then you zipper effect in. That's the most efficient way to do it. Figure it out, people. Anyways, this guy speeds right up. I almost crashed in the cones. I horn, I want to flip him off, but I can't because my kids are watching. Under my breath, I go, what the heck? And my wife turns to me. She goes, well, what do you expect him to do? I'm like, shut your mouth, please. And I make the motion of stabbing someone in the back and turning the knife. I'm like, you really know how to turn the knife right now, don't you? It's the worst possible time to say this. I'm like, can you just be on my side for one time? One time. And she's like, what? You should have slowed down. Mike, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. I was so mad. So incredibly mad. And the same thing with the house. I come home. I'm upset. And she's like, why are you driving by there? I told you not to drive by there. I'm like, what? What? I'm like, shush. Anyways. All right. Moving on. Let's get to hockey. That's enough. Is that enough, Tim? Yeah, that was good. I hope that was uh, therapeutic for you. You know what else is therapeutic? When I see just the guy that I talked about on this show get traded again. And it, it's it's beautiful. The Colorado Avalanche last year signed Alex Galchenyuk to a contract. They thought they could squeeze out a little bit of that talent. And yeah, he played 11 games for them. He got zero points. He lit it up for the AHL team. I think he got 41 points in 41 games. Played really well for their AHL team. Because he is now an AHL talent. 
Let's just call a spade a spade. I've said it twice. Well, zero points, but also minus eight. You forgot that. I did. I was trying to be kind to him. <laughs> He's back in the news. He's going to be a UFA. He gets traded for Ryan Johansson of the Nashville Predators. Big, big, big deal here in my eyes. This is a huge win for the Colorado Avalanche. Nashville has no intention of signing Alex Galchenyuk. I don't even know why he was included in the trade. He is an afterthought at this point. I just think it's funny that he gets traded. The guy is still, he's still getting chances. Do you think Barry Trotz sees this guy and he goes, you know, I could throw him on the third line. He could put up 20 goals. This is going to be a great addition. We're going to sign him to a league men. Or I don't even know why he's a part of this trade. But anyways, the more important part of this trade, Ryan Johansson, Johansson, his $8 million salary gets traded to the Colorado Avalanche. 50% Tim is being retained by the Nashville Predators. That's a big number. That is a huge number. The Colorado Avalanche are getting a primo centerman who's going to slot in centerman two for $4 million. This is a huge win for the Avalanche. After getting the news that Gabe Landeskog is going to be gone for this coming season, it's a massive, massive win for the Avalanche. They have had depth issues ever since they lost Caudry. This is the biggest trade that's going to happen all offseason. This will have ramifications all season and into the playoffs. This puts, in my eyes, the Avalanche back on a path to the Stanley Cup. Am I overselling this, or is this not a huge deal? It's a pretty big deal. I mean, Ryan Johansson's been a good player in this league for for many years now. And he's only one year removed. He missed some time last year, but two seasons ago, he had 26 goals and 63 points. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is a really big get for them. I don't understand it from the Predators' point of view. Is it really worth clearing $4 million to get rid of that player? Sure. I, I, they've, they've offloaded a lot of contracts in the last 18 months or so. But for Colorado, yeah, this is big. This is really, really big. They've been missing that since Kadri's been out, especially with Landis Cog's injury. I don't know if it's automatic, like, cup level again. I don't know if he has that big of an impact, but it's definitely, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I, I think Nashville's full-on rebuild. They got rid of Tanner Janot. They got rid of Ryan Johansson and a couple other guys that can't. Ryan Ellis. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of high-end guys. So they're in full rebound mode here. Rebuild mode, excuse me. Now it just begs the question, what do you do with UC Saros? Like, is is he gone now? He's going to be a UFA after next season. His value is pretty high right now. So Nashville, keep an eye on them because they are just, they're sell, sell, sell. I like this for Colorado. I like it for Nashville too. They realize they're, they're not going to be a contending team for a long time. Let's just hit the reset button. I love what they're doing. I love what the Philadelphia Flyers are doing. There's no expectations of winning. We are going to rebuild. We're going to get draft picks. Nashville has two first-round draft picks this year. They have a bunch of draft picks in the next two or three years coming up. They're not playing games with anybody. It's like, we're, we're a bad hockey team. We're going to rebuild through the draft. We're going to rebuild through our prospect system. We're not going to try to sign any big-name free agents. This is it. This is our team. Another team that seems to be in the rebuild every single year but keeps trading for decent players. I don't understand what's happening in Arizona. Arizona acquired Sean Dersey from the LA Kings. They give up a second round draft pick. They get Dersey, who's a good defenseman. Is this is this the start of the rebuild for the Arizona Coyotes? Because I like this move for them. I really do. Sean Dersey is a good player. It's a solid move, but I think it has more to do with LA. They wanted to clear some room off their books to get $1.7 million for Dersey's contract. And it feels like they're setting up for something bigger, which we'll talk about next. But yeah, he's a solid young defenseman. I was surprised they moved him and Pretty good pickup for Arizona. Yeah, 24-year-old defenseman, been in the league for a few years now. He got 38 points last year, 27 his rookie year. So the guy is, he's a player. So for the Arizona Coyotes, getting rid of Jacob Chiktrin, obviously having to deal with the franchise, where are we going to play this and that? This is a win for as many losses that they can chalk up, which are numerous. Like they lead the league in losses, not just you know on ice, off the ice too. They just can't do anything right. This is a win. I think they win this trade. The second round draft pick is theoretically a player who doesn't make the NHL. Sean Dersey will be a good defenseman in the NHL for the next 10 years. They can get him under cap. He's still under team control next year. So good for the Arizona Coyotes. I beg on them a lot, rightfully so. I wanted to show some good work. This is a good trade. I like what Billy Armstrong did. So good for him. They're going to have a good defenseman in Arizona for the years to come after losing Jacob Chitron.
All right, what else, Tim? Yeah, so we mentioned the LA Kings setting up for something else. The big name right now is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who asked for a trade from Winnipeg, and they've been working on a deal all weekend long. Still hasn't happened. Um, kind of conflicting reports out there, so it's not quite sure exactly what the deal is, but the report is that LA is trying to work out a um, an extension with him. And then another report came out that they haven't been able to talk to him, and that's the holdup on the deal. So not totally sure, but most likely is he goes to LA and they sign him to a long-term contract, and they get their big uh, top top six center. Yeah, the the names being bantered about from LA would be Alex Iafalo, Gabe Velarde, maybe a draft pick, and PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois, going to LA. Obviously, everybody knew he wanted to go to Montreal. He was raised there. He speaks French. Everything works out there. I don't think Montreal just has a space for him. There's 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 just a lot of forwards in Montreal. There's just not a lot of room for him to fit in there. But if you look at the LA roster, you look at the way they're built, this is this is a pretty big win for them. If he goes to LA, boy oh boy, they had a good season last year. They were obviously in a minor rebuild mode. They brought in Kevin Fiala, they have Philip Deneau. Kempe took a, a big step forward last year. Does this all of a sudden, Tim? push them closer to the Edmonton Oilers category in that division, the Colorado Avalanche status, the Vegas Golden Knights status, or are they still in your eyes, maybe just a step below? They still have Drew Doughty on contract for another four years. That's a bad deal. I don't know. Where where does this put them? If they can pull this off and get a Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was legit, he's a 1C. Like He is a a great player for all the off-ice stuff that he has, for all the, the drama that's followed him throughout his career. Where does this put them if, if they get Pierre-Luc Dubois, Tim? Well, it depends on what they have to give up for him, for sure. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is it's it's interesting because you've got, you've got Kopitar and um, uh, what's Deneau, right? And they, they, they were able to shut down Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl as best they could, but you're still losing six to Edmonton Oilers. I don't know how much better they do against Vegas or Dallas or Colorado in those matchups, but you add a Pierre-Luc Dubois and all of a sudden you've got a little bit more offensive punch. You've got more depth down the middle, which I know is important to you. So yeah, this is a major step for them. Love it. Yeah. It it would, I think they would have to make some moves on the wings. You have Kempe, you have Vardvitsin losing. I follow and Velarde. Those are big, big pieces. They're, they're huge for them. They, they, you know, play the power play, second, third line, right wing. So they're good players. Not like you're giving up prospects or guys who are on the bottom nine, bottom half of their career. They're very valuable pieces to be trading, but you're getting a good young centerman who is going to put up 70, 80 points, play that second line center role. You can drop Philip the note down to that third line center role, Quentin Byfield. Maybe you shift him to the wing. Who knows? There's a lot of pieces that can move around there in LA and it, it doesn't hurt to add a really good player. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois is good as much as I just don't like him personally because he's a dirtbag. Like, let's just, let's just get it all out there. All the drama that he's had with John Tortorella, all the drama that he's having right now with the Winnipeg uh-huh. Jets. I don't want to be here. I you, don't want to be here. Not two weeks ago, I asked about this and you said you don't blame him because look at where he's been. I'm a team he's been on. Who wouldn't request trades from those teams at this point? What, what changed? I just don't like him. I don't, maybe it's his French name. I don't know. But uh, he seems to have drama follow him wherever he goes. He's almost like the Tony D'Angelo of forwards, where everywhere he goes, there's just a little bit of drama that goes with him. And uh, yeah, I don't blame him. But if I was in those situations, I wouldn't complain like he did. I would just quietly go about my business and hopefully things would change. That's not what he did. He aired his laundry publicly. I don't like when people do that. I don't blame him for doing it. It obviously worked. And now he gets to go to L.A. potentially where the sun is just shining all day long and the women flock like the rivers of Capistrano. Is that how the saying goes? The salmon? Yeah, you lost me on that one. The dumb and dumber. Oh, where the beer flows like wine? Like the women of Capistrano. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Moving on. Your, Your Bruins connection here. Tori Krug, former Bruins, just stud, goes to St. Louis and just has a massive drop-off in his play. Yes, due to injury, maybe the culture. Things have not worked out well for Tori Krug in St. Louis. We can just say that. His name is being bounced around in trade rumors with the Philadelphia Flyers. Danny Briere is continuing to revamp this team, and I love it. He's getting rid of everybody. There are trades in the works. Nothing has come through fully, but they've been working hard. 
St. Louis and Philly are going to have a trade almost done, Tim. What's, what's the issue, sir? Why can't they pull the trigger on this trade? Yeah, the report over the weekend was that the trade was imminent between these two teams, and some accounts even said the deal was done, but obviously it hasn't been. And the major kind of holdup is that Tory Krug won't waive his no-move clause to go to Philadelphia. doesn't want to be in Philly. And the part of the repackage was Kevin Hayes going to St. Louis, as well as Travis Sandheim. And I think Briere wanted um, the Blues to eat some of Krug's contract, too. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen there. It doesn't sound like a deal is going to happen. I think they still want to offload Hayes. And there is interest in Hayes in St. Louis, but it, I don't think it's going to involve Krug. It's probably a smaller deal than originally anticipated. Yeah, I like Krug. I think there's still some good hockey left in this kit. And surprisingly, he makes a very reasonable salary. He makes $6.5 million. So I don't think that's a, an obscene amount for a player of his ilk. If you could put him in the right situations, maybe put him on the 3-4 pairing. Don't put him against the other team's top line. Protect him a little bit. He can be in the first power play unit. The guy's a good player. Like you, if if he's healthy, you can lock him in for 45, 50 points all day long. And he's proven he can do it in the playoffs. He's a good player. Do I blame him for not wanting to go to Philly? <laughs> Nobody wants to go to Philly. Even with the regime change, even with everything that's being sold there, the team still is coached by John Tortorella. Like, let's not forget about this. This this is a team that's going to be bag skated weekly. I don't care how much they say they're rebuilding, how much they say they're going to, you know, have patience with the team. This is going to take a long time. You think Torts is going to be okay with losing? You think he's going to wake up and go, okay, you know what? We're rebuilding. That's okay. He's going to skate this team into the ground. And Tory Krug is a 34-year-old veteran who has a no-move clause. He's not going to go there without the assurance that they're going to flip him to a team that has a Stanley Cup potential. And I think that's what's holding this up right now. He wants to have some assurance that if he okays this trade, Danny Briere is going to trade him to a contender. That's all. Until that happens, there will be no deals done. I think Danny will do it, Briere, but I don't know how you put that in writing. You can't like guarantee someone they're going to trade them because trades fall through all the time and then it doesn't happen but we'll see this would be a good trade for both both teams i think giving getting kevin hayes out of philadelphia into st louis a market that i think he would excel in he's a big body forward he goes into the you know places that are hard to play he would excel in st louis st louis still do you think they still have tim a little bit of meat on the bone of contention they they have decent players you have jordan Cairo, you have shen you have thomas you have like a, a brandon sod the back end the names are there the play has not been up to the names the the, the justin falks the Perenkos, the nick Lettys. like they're those are some good names then you got the doofus on the between the pipes jordan bennington is there any possibility st louis with the addition of kevin hayes can compete next year um compete sure and Ke- and justin Falk had a great season last year he had 50 points he was leading the team at one point like halfway through the year the question is is bennington like what are you going to get out of him and and he's gotten worse we talked about this he got worse every single year consecutively since winning the cup in 2019 like he just keeps getting worse and then the antics are getting out of control so i think they look at maybe if they if they want to make some moves and if they think Kevin Hayes makes them a better team, I think you look at a different solution between the pipes. Maybe there's a buyout. Maybe you see if someone wants to take a risk on Bennington and you bring in a goalie who's looking for a change, like a Hellebuck who's asked for a trade, like um, maybe UC Saros becomes on the market, like you said. But yeah, I think Kevin Hayes doesn't make them a better team, but Bennington really limits their potential. I agree. What's going on with Tony D'Angelo, Tim? D'Angelo. Um he, <laughs> uh, Briere is actively shopping him as well, reportedly back to Carolina. Again, one of those things where the deal seemed imminent and then it kind of fell through. We, not a lot of insight on this one. There was a snag here. Maybe there was um, thought of a salary retention or a pick coming the other way and it didn't work out. So I think he probably still ends up going to Carolina where he played really well um, several years ago, but not quite yet. It's It's comical. What's happened with Tony? I'm not going to say, I, I can't say his last name. It's comical. The Flyers paid a pretty penny to get him. A couple, you know, draft picks. They signed him to $5 million contract over two years, $10 million. They invested a lot in this guy and he played well. He just didn't jive. He didn't, he didn't figure it out. He Pierre-Luc Dubois his way out of Philadelphia. So at this point, 
if Carolina does get him back, they are massive winners in this trade. And that's kind of looking like it's going to happen. He's going to go back to Carolina. I like this move. I like Tony. He's a good player. I think if he just shut his mouth and played hockey, he would be a perennial all-star. The guy does nothing but go out there and put points on the board. He's a swift skating, five foot six, five foot eleven, six foot defenseman. He, he's not terrible in the defensive zone, Tim. He's not awful. He almost is very similar to Tory Crew, where if you give him an opportunity and he plays a full season, he's going to get you fifty five points. Like that's the type of player he is. In Carolina, he was great in the playoffs last year. Like he was really good. He was running their power play one. He was all over the place. He played fantastic. So. I don't know. I hope he goes back to Carolina. Give him a chance. He was healthy scratched this year for Pete's sake. He was healthy scratched in Philadelphia. It doesn't make sense to me. Just because he's, you know, voices his opinion a little bit. Let the guy play. Let the guy play. All right. Moving on from one franchise who was just completely selling everybody to another franchise who was trying to keep everybody, but nobody wants to play there. All these guys, they, they were a Stanley Cup contender. Two years ago, they went out, they won the offseason, they lost their best two players, they bring in two players who are going to fill those cracks, and then some. With Nazim Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, they added Mackenzie Weaker, everything was great. Last season was awful. It reminded me of when I went to San Jose. They were supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders, and it was just a train wreck. Everybody sucked. They traded everybody. They got rid of the coach. It was just a disaster. The same thing happened to Calgary last year. It was it was awful. Daryl Sutter's gone. New regime comes in. New head coach. New GM. Everything's going to change. The players are supposed to want to stay, Tim, right? That's what's supposed to happen. You got rid of the bad egg, which was the coach. Nobody really liked the GM, Brad Trevealing. He's gone. All this was done to appease the players. Why does nobody want to resign? What is happening in Calgary, Tim? What's what's going on there? Well, okay, obviously, like you mentioned, you've got to take it in context with the bigger picture of last year, too, where Kachuk forces a trade because he doesn't want to be there anymore. And Johnny Gaudreau takes less money on the open market because he doesn't want to be there anymore. And then Frank Saravelli, friend of the show, sent out a series of tweets over the weekend that just devastated the entire province of Alberta. First one here, I'm going to read them in order. First one here, Calgary recently made a big pitch, rolled out the red carpet, to try to sign Elias Lindholm. Calgary's waiting on a response, but a Lindholm and haven't given a definitive answer yet. General league speculation, he's leaning toward not resigning with Calgary. That's the first tweet. One C center they have right now. Second one, the belief is the Flames have received a more direct answer from defenseman Noah Hannafin, who has clearly indicated that he does not plan to sign an extension in Calgary. Finally, Bit of a surprise told Michael Backlund is also leaning toward not re-signing in Calgary. All these players are under contract for this coming year. They have one more year left on their deal. And then another one came in the next day from Frank. Not to throw another log into the fire for the Flames, but the potential exodus continues. I'm told Tyler Toffoli also plans on not re-signing in Calgary. These are your, what, four of your top six wingers. The other two you just, as forwards, the other two you just signed last year with... Huberdeau and Kadri, like, what is Huberdeau thinking right now? Looking around like, guys, where are you going? Where are you going? Why don't you want to be here anymore? So on top of that, not as, not as big a deal as the others, but Milan Lucic is not coming back either. He's hitting the free agency this summer, uh, this week. So, Yeah, I, I think the biggest deal is Hannafin. I mean, he is a fantastic defenseman. The guy plays on the second power play unit. He, he kills penalties. He's on their first defensive unit with Rasmus Anderson. That's a big one. Like it, it's huge. It's one thing to lose Elias Lindholm. He's your one C center. He's fantastic. Everybody knows it, but the, Noah Hannafin, he's 26 year old stud, Tim, like stud. And I can just imagine the money they're throwing at him right now. If they're, if they're trying to resign him, like those numbers are in the eight, $9 million a year range. That's, that's what I would assume they're offering him. He's 26. He's in the prime of his career. You can lock him in for 30, 40 points. He can shut down the other team's top line. He's a great defenseman. And if he's just saying to your face, you know, I'm uh, I'm done. I don't like it here. I'm sorry. So it's almost a blessing. These guys are just being upfront, saying I, I, I'm not coming back. No, they're, they're not going to lead the team on. They're not going to play games and try to get more money and just the new the new GM Craig Conroy. They're going to toy with them a little bit and try to get ten million instead of nine million. No, they're just saying no. Tyler Foley's been Tyler Toffoli's been around the block. He's Stanley Cup champion. He's 31 years old. He knows what he wants. 
And you say, I'm not coming back here. This ain't it, guys. We're, we're, we don't have it here. I think this is a good thing. Yes, it looks bad on paper. Yes, it looks bad with Frank Saravalli tweeting all this stuff. Oh, this one and that one and him and him and him. This is a good thing. In my eyes, you got a new GM, you got a new coach coming in, uh, just a failed season last year, an absolute crap season. Let's just start all over. We have good players. Jonathan Huberto is a good player. As much as I think he's a baby, as much as I think he just is entitled brat, and he's gonna, he's never going to live up to this $10.5 million contract. We can all agree on that. He's a good player. You can build around him. He's 30 years old. He's still got some gas left in the tank. Nazim Kadri, good player. $7 million. That's a good contract for him. You can build around him. You have some good pieces in the back end. Mackenzie Weger, he's good. Rasmus Anderson, he's good. We can build around those guys. Let's get rid of some of the guys who have been here a long time. Good. We can go out. We can get some prospects for Elias Lindholm. We can get some guys for Tyler Toffoli. We can get some guys for Michael Backlund. We can get a lot of guys for Noah Hannafin. Just, just go embrace it. Full rebuild. They tried last year to just turn back the clock and we lost some good players and we're going to try to re, you know, rebuild on the fly and we're going to compete. It didn't work. It didn't work. You have to reset now. These guys aren't coming back. Like you said, Tim, these are four of your top six forwards. Backlund, Lindholm, Toffoli are huge for you. They're, they're huge. And if they're not coming back, you have no chance of winning. You don't. So let's just pivot and figure out something else we have to do. Go out and get a bunch of good young prospects, get a bunch of high first round draft picks. And we'll see what we can do. The The scary part is Craig Conroy is a first year GM. Is he going to do the right things? Is he going to be able to just get good assets for these really, really good players? Like Brad Trevelyan did. He did well trading Goudreau and Kachuk. He did well. Uh, I don't know, but I, I don't mind this. It looks bad on paper. Calgary wasn't going to win this year. They weren't going to win anything. I, I really, Huberto's not that guy. You know, it, he's not, he's a second line left right wing. He's not going to be your first line. Yeah, I don't want okay. him on my first line. He had 115 points last year. He's not a second line player. I can understand he's not the most important. Last year he had 115? Last calendar year. Whatever. I mean. Yeah, he had 55 points last year. He's a second line right winger. Do you think which which player is he of those two? He's not either of them, right? I mean, he's don't. I think he falls somewhere in the seventy point range. That's it. That's his. Yeah, yeah. That that's where he's going to live. Listen, much like Connor McDavid, if I'm banking on him in the playoffs to do the right thing and to produce and to come through in the clutch moments, I don't think I have a, a ring on my finger. I don't know. So what? I don't want him on my first first line in the playoffs there. But he makes 10 and a half. So that's a bad contract. It's a bad contract. All right, moving on, Tim. What are we going to do? A couple of contract extensions as well. Eric Halla signed with the Devils three years at 3.15. It's really great good deal. Number. Great value. Great deal. I don't know how, how does this happen? Let's just touch on that. Players are overpaid daily. Eric Halla is such a good player, and he's had this weird career where he's just kind of bounced around from team to team and almost been like a hired assassin at the trade the line. He's gone from Minnesota to Vegas to Carolina to Florida to Nashville to Boston to New Jersey. He always gets traded. He always produces. Everywhere he goes, he does well in the playoffs. He's usually on the third line, doesn't get much power play time. If it is, it's second unit. He puts up points. You know what I mean? He's good for a point in every other game. And and he gets this type of money. I don't understand who his agent is. I think it's my former agent, Ben Hankinson. But it's a great contract for New Jersey. I like it. I think Garakala probably wanted some term. And three years is a good number for him at a 31-year-old, 32 years of age. So, gosh, it just seems low. The guy's going to put up 50 points next year, 60 points. And he's going to make 3.15. Good for New Jersey. I like that contract. That GM there is doing, he's doing some really good work. Yeah, good for them. All right. What else? Agreed. Um, Sean Monahan signed a one-year, one point nine five, um, nine eight five million dollar extension with with Montreal, and then Jordan Stahl, captain of the Hurricanes, signed a four-year deal, um, averaging two point nine million. Also a pretty good number, though. Although he's a little, he's a bit older, but he does. How the mighty have fallen with Sean Monahan? Man, he was making some do re me six point five <laughs> with uh, Calgary. Now he's like one point nine. That's like. That's a head. That's a weird signing for Montreal too. 
I don't know. I don't know if I like that one for them. But what what's the other one you're talking about? Jordan, Jordan Stall. Yeah. Yeah, talked on that one already. Also, we had the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2023 announced last week. Did you catch this one? Just goalies everywhere. Lots of goalies. I did. What? A, who's going in, Tim? Henrik Lundqvist, Tom Barrasso, Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Caroline Ouellette, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix. It's Turgeon. What did I say? Turgeon. Turgeon. Let's <laughs> just get the names right. Okay. Um, okay. I like it. I think they're all great hockey players. I don't really know the stats off the top of my head, but it seems like the one that's, you know, obviously first ballot is Hank. He's, he's a lock, but Tom Barrasso, he won a bunch of cups with the Penguins, right? And then Pierre Turgeon, big visor. That's what I remember for him. Mike Vernon, he won that cup with the Flames, right? 1980, I believe. You're, you're just a baby. You don't. Caroline Ouellette, she won a bunch of gold medals with Canada. Good for good for them. That's exciting. There's there's a there's a couple big names on the ballot for next year, 2024. I just want to get your outright haul or not on all these guys. Okay, Marlowe. Mm, yes. Pavel Datsuk. Yes. Pekka Rene. No. Miku Koivu. No. Ryan Miller. No. Ilya Kovalchuk. No. What? Oh, man. You you are such a hypocrite. It's crazy. Why? Why am I a hypocrite? Ilya Kovalchuk, you're the one who goes to bat for all these KHL stats up and down. They should count. They should count. If you put his stats fully, KHL and NHL, the guy's like a hands-down first ballot Hall of Famer. Do you think that Batman and crew are going to reward him for leaving in his prime with a Hall of Fame ballot? Listen, I'm just stating it as I see it. You, you asked me if I, you if I just gone get in. Ba- <laughs> but you're undermining yourself. I'm not, first of all, I'm not. Was my argument that he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, because of his stats in the KHL should count. <laughs> it was two years ago, John. I've evolved. I've grown. Pavel Datsuk, by the way, I watched a highlight video of him again. This is incredible. He's my favorite player of all time. He was just so good. Did everybody He's, notice how Tim just changed the subject so fast? It's the same subject. It's the list of players. What, what, okay. What would you like to say about Kovalchuk? I don't think he should make the Hall of Fame because the only stats that matter are the ones in the NHL. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. You're right. The best hockey. I play men's league. Caroline Ouellette didn't play in the NHL. She she didn't have the opportunity. Female hockey player. Different. That's fine for me. She played at the highest level possible for women. The Olympics. And she excelled. He he did not play in the NHL very long. Yes, he did. He played most of his career. Jumped ship and went to the KHL. So you take his NHL stats and you take his Olympic stats. And if that's good enough for the Hall of Fame, then yes. And I don't know. Maybe they are. Yeah, I think I'm changing my answer. I think he is in the Hall of Fame. The Hockey Hall of Fame. It is. But do you take all the stats from the Swedish Elite League? Do you take all the stats from the Finnish League? Do you go to Italy and take all those stats? When does it end? You understand how the difference between the KHL... I don't. ...and the Italy League? Is that what you said? Yeah. The Swedish Elite League is very good. It's very good. Yeah. But it's mostly young players, isn't it? I don't know. There's older guys who play there. So he jumped ship from the Devils in 2012, and he played six years in the KHL. He put up massive points, won championships. Do you take those 300 points, 344 points, and add them onto his NHL totals? To It, it puts him in 13, 1400 points. I'm remembering which is a now. Hall of Fame career. I understand that you don't. Okay. I understand that NHL points are probably weighed the heaviest, but he went to the. I mean, what's the second best league in the world? Is it the AHL? Would you say? And then I'd say the, the KHL? KHL. Yeah, K. Okay. All right. Well, let's say the KHL won. I think. And now I'm remembering. He won two championships, one of which he was the MVP for. Yeah, this is this is a first ballot. Maybe not first ballot, but he's a hockey hall of famer. You have to. You have to. No, you don't. I I, I don't feel. What's like... the argument against him? He didn't play in the best league. He did for most of his career. He played in the best league. Yeah. 
but he left. And so if you just take his NHL totals, he got 876 points. That's it. And how many games? 926. So not even a point per game guy. Never won anything in the playoffs. That's it. I, I don't think he gets into the hall or should get into the hall. He did well internationally. Like he he put up some good points in the Olympics and this and that, but I, I just I just don't like it. Is I, Patrick I Marlowe like a Hall of Famer? Mm, this gets into the sentimentality of it where he did set the games played record. <laughs> my heart says yes, but my mind says no. I feel like R. Kelly. Canceled. He's canceled. canceled. What did he do? To look it up. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> you see- All right. Of, of that list that I mentioned, the only ones that are sure fire in for me are Datsuk and Miller. I think Miller makes it in hands down. He got voted into the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame last week. Yeah, he 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 makes it in. He's the all-time winning goaltender for Americans. He won everywhere he went. He played on bad teams and still succeeded. He played well, and he's got multiple, like, Veznas. The guy's played. He won the Vezna Trophy only one, 2009, 2010. But he makes it in Datsuk for obvious reasons. The guy's just the best hands who have ever laced him up. But maybe, maybe Marlowe, Rene, and Koivu hard no. That That's all it is. Koivu is not even really in the conversation. I don't know why. I don't know. He's just close. one of those guys who played one team his whole career actually he did go to columbus right at the end of his career but he was my first captain oh captain my captain miku koivu what a head of hair on him too those those fins have great hair i don't know what it is but they all have the same haircut parted on the hard left right across and they're all blonde anti miatnin becca rene miku koivu they all have the same hair Brandon, what, what, same thing yeah it does he that's funny all right yeah. what else uh, some quick hits here. Oliver Ekman Larson was bought out by Vancouver. So he's going to cost them not much this year, but I think $4 million next year and averaging about $3 million per year against the cap over the next five years. And a little bit, not much, but a little bit on um, Arizona's as well. That might go down as the worst trade ever in history when they got Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson from Arizona. Another win for Arizona. Such a bad trade. Like such a, I don't know why this is going to, this is it. This is going to be the trade. We're going to win a Stanley Cup after this. They didn't even make the playoffs the next year. Like it's just uh, the effects of that trade are long lasting and they will be for a long time thanks to this trade. He's going to be on the cap for five more years, Tim. It's crazy. Where does he go that's going to make a difference, do you think? Do you think he can still be a top four defenseman somewhere? No. I think he is now transitioned to a Keith Yandel type where he's a power play specialist and you play him 12 minutes a game. And he gets 30, 40 power play points a year. And that's it. You play him against the other team's third or fourth line, but he's on the first power play unit. He cannot be relied upon to be a defensive defenseman. He can't. When I played with him in Arizona, that was his best year statistically, by the way. He was very good in the defensive zone. He made a good first pass. He was back to the puck very quickly. He, he, He was good. It's fallen off. I don't know if he's just gotten injured. He doesn't want to go back for the puck anymore. He, he, doesn't look like he's interested in the D zone. That's the way it looked in Vancouver. But you shield him a little bit. You play him against not high-end talent, and he's still a very good defenseman. Like, he's got a heck of a shot from the point. He's got patience. He can be valuable to a team. And it's nice that he's making $3 million off the books for anybody. So if you're a team, you can say, hey, we'll give you a million dollars. You're still making $4 million a year. Like, let's go. So I, I think he's very valuable. Very, very wouldn't surprise me if he went to Colorado or a Boston, a contender. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think he goes there and makes a little bit of money. And I think even if you put him in the top four and pair him with a big bodied defensive responsible guy like Brian Dumoulin, maybe there's a maybe there's some money to be made there. Not gonna win in Pittsburgh. All right. What's next? The San Jose Sharks have hired friend of the show, Patrick Marlowe. This is you're gonna love this one. Player development coach and hockey operations advisor. Oof. That's a nameplate on the door. Holy moly. Extra we should, characters. We got to get him or Sharp on the show and explain what these titles mean. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Good for him. Good for him. Like, that's, the, that's the biggest business card I've ever seen. Player development coach and hockey operations advisor. It's so dumb. <sighs> it's so jealous. 
<laughs> so dumb. Why not just say the title of my job is to come and drink beer at the games and hang around the team because fans like me. That's it. Did That's this, all it is. Did this title exist when you were in the league? No. Like a new thing. Well, it, 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 you know who developed it, as far as I know, was the Chicago Blackhawks. So they had bad fan relations back when I was there. They started to bring in the old players and the fans loved it. And they would give them titles like this. So hockey operations advisor, this and that. And then every team after that I played for San Jose had Mike Ricci. I'd go to Arizona and there'd be guys kicking around. I'd go to these teams and there'd be always players kicking around and they'd, they'd collect the paycheck and they were just there at the games. They'd go walk around and shake hands and kiss babies and this and that. It it's evolved over the time because I don't know. Teams are more aware that fans want more out of their experience. They can maybe just sit home or just be on their phones. They need to engage the fans more. And so they have these guys on the payroll and that's all it is. Patty Marlowe will have to go to 25 home games next year. He'll have to sign autographs at five of them. He'll have to do a couple interviews between the intermission. This is what it is. He's going to live in San Jose. He's going to make $150,000 and it's going to be easy as pie. Patty doesn't drink, but this is what his job is. Oh, I would love to do something like that. Absolutely. I would, I would love it. I didn't, I didn't stay on a team long enough. I was bouncing around too much. I was so wanted every free agency period. was like a bidding war for me. If if it was going to be a team, it would probably be Buffalo, right? They, yeah. would, they would hire you for that. I would think so. Them or Chicago. I'm, I'm uh, very well liked in both of those markets because I love being there. So we'll see. I, um, yeah. So we'll wait, Tim. Okay. Um, We knew this was coming, but uh, officially confirmed the salary cap set for the new year is 83.5 million, which I believe is 1 million increase, which is what we thought, right? It's big. It's huge. The game is growing leaps and bounds. Like it's insane how big this game is growing. Did you see, by the way, the, the rankings for the playoffs, the TV ratings, TV ratings. Yeah. Atrocious. Yeah, absolutely atrocious. The final round Stanley Cup finals, the one everyone's supposed to be watching 50% less viewership from the year before. Awful. Absolutely awful for the NHL. Good luck getting big money brands to buy into the game. But how much of that is the league's fault versus just small market teams making it to the finals? Small market teams. Yeah. But you can still market it. I still blame Gary. (laughs) Yeah. You're like my wife. Worst possible timing. (laughs) <laughs> what do you expect him to do, John? <laughs> All right. What are we finishing off here with? Yeah, we got the NHL awards tonight in Nashville. Um, this is where the Vezina and the Consumite, not the Consumite, but the, the Selkie and all those trophies will be announced. You say tonight. the worst trophy, Selkie. No one cares about the Selkie except for you. I'm thinking Patrice about Bergeron's won it like a million times. Who's not going to be there tonight, um, but he'll win it. He should win it. And Actually, then, you know what? There has been a rumor. Speaking of um, Patrice Bergeron, his replacement, if rumors are true, it's very exciting. Shifley. There's been little birdies have been telling me I'm somewhat of a Winnipeg insider. And the Bruins are kicking the tires of Mark Shifley, especially if Bergeron and Krejci not coming back. Imagine if they got Shifley, Tim. How exciting would that be? It would be pretty exciting. He's a good player. I mean, obviously, we want those guys, but the rumor, the latest report indicates that Bergeron and Krejci are not coming back. Um, I would love Shifley. So these are the dominoes that I've heard. Hellebuck out. Allmark or Swayman to Winnipeg to replace Hellebuck for Shifley. It'll be Allmark. We wouldn't get rid of Swayman. No? Just because he's a friend of the show? Exactly. No, I like it. age, contract, everything. All right. Big, big awards question. Does Carlson win the Norris? Who's he up against again? Makar and Yossi? Does he win the Norris? Answer the question. Yes. Oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't, but he will. It's going to be depressing. But yes, everybody, watch the awards. We'll be back on Friday because Tim's apparently driving somewhere i want to go wednesday and friday but tim doesn't want to he wants the summer schedule to start so 
Yes. With the big week, though, we got the draft starting Wednesday and that'll go into Thursday. And then we have free agency starting on the first, which I think is Saturday or Sunday. Um, yeah, so big week coming up. Maybe Thursday, John. Maybe Thursday morning. I'll let you know. If you find I'll, time, that'd be nice. I'll, I'll try to work it in. We'll see. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate the support and we'll talk to you guys at some point this week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 